so welcome to this latest edition of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast, up to episode 26 now. It's been a while, Daz, uh, since we've spoken to everyone, but uh, I just wanted to get some housekeeping out of the way. There is a reason for that. Uh, if you're not aware, we did ask our fans last time we spoke to send us in some mailbag questions, and I have to be honest with you, we were so inundated with questions from our legion of fans that it's taken us a month just to sort through all the questions and the mountains and mountains of mail that we've received from that time, and that's why we've had to have a bit of an enforced break. But thankfully, we're back, uh, and we've sort of we were planning to have a pot around this time, and then a little bit of news broke today. But I'll, I'll ask you first, Daz, how have you been? Have you enjoyed the break? You enjoying the off season? Yeah, I'm enjoying the off season. It's a it's a do break. It's you know fantasy football times revving up, so a bit dull until the. You know, of course, I went to um, sort of the the hub of where our our fans come from and did a bit of a focus group, Daz, and got some um, some live feedback, which was pretty fun. You know, to go talk amongst the people. So um, yeah, some good lessons ago and sitting amongst the real people here, Daz. It was um, I'll, I'll, we'll get into those in mailbag. Yeah, I'm sure. That, that I think I know some of the people. They're, they're probably some of our more lowbrow uh, listeners, but uh, I prefer to target the higher end of the market personally but that's just me uh did you did you happen uh, did you happen to catch the badgers while they've been out in australia or now they played in bankstown uh which for our u.s listeners that's in sydney australia last night the wisconsin badgers are out here on the tour there's been um there's been kids right literally badgers fans who've been traveling who've been facebook living the games so i go there's there's your free broadcast so i actually watched them a bit um, against the the breakers, and uh, I was devastated. I couldn't. I had work stuff last night, so I was devastated. I couldn't go out to Bankstown to see him. But um, yeah, there's some good competition. Well, give us a couple I of think... names. What what names can we look out for from uh, Wisconsin in, coming into the NBA? Uh, Frank the Tank, I think, was the last one to to really make a name for himself coming out. Of well, Frank the Tank and Sam Decker, right? They both came yep. out in that same that same draft. Probably they'll be two decent probably role players in the NBA. Decker's got a bit of upside, but uh, the next ki- and then Henry, uh, sorry, Henry Ellison's with Marquette. What am I saying? Mm. Um, the next kid is Ethan Happ. He's uh, another sort of stretchy four, kind of a Zach Collins type, you know, plays under the rim, but he's 6'10", um, great ball skills. Um, so he's kind of got classic three skills in a 6'10 body. Uh, not the most athletic guy, but he'll definitely be, yeah, it'd be like one of those, you know, late lottery sort of picks. So Ethan Happ, that's the kid who um, we'll watch out for this year. And the other, the other little micro badger news, just while I have the microphone, and everyone sort of now can get up and go to the refrigerator, is uh, Nigel Hayes, right? So he, um, Nigel Hayes, got picked up and signed by the Knicks to a guaranteed deal here the last couple of days. So, you know, UW oh, okay. represent UW representing. So, um, yep. Um, anyway. Well, he might bring some professionalism to that uh, organisation. Lord knows <laughs> they need it. So we have had a little bit of news, though, Daz. Obviously, uh, the if you haven't heard, if you've been under a rock, not paying attention to the NBA, waiting for NFL, or following some of the local sports here in Australia. Uh, yeah, Giannis, Giannis had to pull out a Euroleague. I know, I couldn't fucking believe it. I know, was a big, that was that was probably, I'm, I'm, I'm burying the lead by sort of leaving that till later on <laughs> in the pod days, but Kyrie Irving, honorary, honorary Aussie Kyrie Irving, traded to the Boston Celtics uh, for Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, 
Zizic, is it Ivan Zizic and the Brooklyn Nets first rounder. Uh, when I first read reports of this, I was I, I sort of took it with a grain of salt and I just thought, look, slow news day. They're throwing out the Kyrie story. And literally an hour later, uh, Shams from uh, The Vertical tweeted out that it was that it was official. Um, I believe Adrian Wojnarowski, just on a little bit of tidbit of information, he was uh, sitting with uh, Kyrie Irving's camp when it all went down. So he was sort of a, a part of the breaking news, but he sort of lost his, lost his mojo a little bit in that area since the free agency began. But what was your first reaction? I mean, were you a little bit stunned at, at the timing of it? What were your first sort of thoughts on win-lose um, between the two? Um, did, you, did you feel like maybe there were better offers out there? I mean, what was, what was your sort of hot take on it? The timing felt odd to me just because it's, this is truly the dead time of the season. It's post-summer league. Everyone's on holiday pre-training camp, so it was an odd time. And especially considering uh, Kobe Altman so new to his role, um, I I didn't anticipate that. Um, I suppose now having you know, looked at some of the reports, the initial timing was holy cow! The, the you know the 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 balls, the chutzpah of Altman to pull this off when he did. But now looking back on it, um, I guess now remembering Kyrie went to them, you know, a couple of weeks before it actually leaked. Right, so this is probably been in works for uh, probably a month or so, right? So um, I was shocked at the timing initially and thought, what a move by Altman. And then just in terms of the, look, I think you and I and maybe half the other world, half of the other NBA world, it's not difficult to profile the Celtics as a, a trade partner for stars given the, you know, the plethora of, you know, decent talent and every single player uh, just about, you know, minus Hayward who's new there is on a pretty decent contract with all their assets. So it was a, you know, any star, whether it was Paul George or Butler, right? Boston was always a natural trade partner. So um, from a, on paper, I thought that makes a lot of sense. But I was expecting, I think, I find I, I'm in the camp that Boston overpaid. I'm kind of in the, I don't know if it was Bomani Jones or one of the guys said, so Danny Ainge waited to trade Isaiah Thomas and all these assets for a slightly taller Isaiah Thomas was kind of a little bit how I feel about it. So I don't, I th- I don't know where I you want to take be, it. But. Well, the lesson I wanted to take first is this is why you don't rush a trade. And it's it's still, you, you can't understand why Chicago and Indiana seem to rush the process of we want to move on from Jimmy Butler, we want to move on from Paul George. You can make just as good a trade at this time in the, as you said, in the dead season, sometimes I think there might be an argument that this is a better time to make a trade because you can sit down, everyone's rational, no one's rushing around, worrying about free agency, things like that, and say, okay, what do you need? You, you want this player, what are you willing to pay? Okay? Uh, and I think that's what's happened here, to my mind. You know, this has been a matter of... Uh, that the Celtics, you know, Cavs going to the Celtics and saying, okay, you're interested in Kyrie, what are you willing to pay? And, and sort of, I, I would imagine there's some sort of back and forth there. And look, it's one of those things, yes, the Celtics overpaid, but they could afford to overpay. So it's a little bit like, you know, you want a brand new car uh, and yes, you could get one that's a year old for, 
you know, five grand, ten grand less, but you want that new car and you've got the money to pay for it. So uh, that might not be the best analogy, but that was the sort of thing I was thinking today from the Celtics' point of view is I don't, I feel like they looked at it and went, well, we're going to have to pay Isaiah Thomas at the end of next year anyway. We're probably not going to pay what he's going to want. So we're going to move on from him in a year anyway. Crowd has already shown signs of of um, sort of regression, if you like, from where he was even two years ago. And he's on a good contract. He's going to have to be paid at some point. Zizic was a disaster in summer league. I'm not sure how much they believe about him. And the Brooklyn Nets are looking okay for next year. Maybe that's going to be a pick between five and ten rather than between one and five, depending on where they sit. So they probably thought, you know what? In a year's time, what we're giving up today might seem like a lot, but in a year's time, if we would give up the same package, it's not going to be enough. So I think from Danny Ainge's point of view, and, and now they've, they've sorted out their roster. They don't have too many guys. They've got a definite rotation that they can go ahead with. Certainly, I think they overpaid in a vacuum, but given the amount of assets that they've had, and we've spoken about that a lot on the pod, I don't think it is an overpay, particularly if you think Kyrie Irving can be superstar. I think that's probably the question that's going to have to be answered within the next few years. I, I think you're probably higher on him than, than what I am, um, but that's probably the question that needs to be asked within a few years. You know, is he a, the superstar level of talent that you should have given up this amount for uh, or not? And, and that's probably what's going to decide how sensible this trade was. Uh yeah, I'm probably a little more simplistic. I think that's fair. But I guess I look at um, when I think I was saying to you before, I'm looking at the Celtics team and Gordon Hayward thrived. Gordon Hayward became a superstar when he could uh, focus his energy on the offensive end, play a lot of off ball and have a, a fantastic defensive point guard like George Hill, a classic distributing you know, point guard, and he could be surrounded by, on the defensive end, by the likes of Rhett Gobert and Favors and um, and Diaw and the rest of the rest, rest of the Jazz team. Now Gordon Hayward's in situation, just signed this giant contract, and now he got the man, Kyrie the man, who wants a franchise, and now he's been given a franchise, and he's going to be the franchise, and he's going to talk about the franchise, and he is the franchise, he's got the ball in his hands, and he's he's the man. So I go, okay, Kyrie's right. Kyrie's uh, usage is going to spike. Um, uh, how does it affect Gordon Hayward? Question. And how does it affect right now? Um, they've gone from Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart now to, um, sorry, Avery Bradley to, um, well, Bradley to Kyrie. And Thomas, the, uh, to Kyrie and Smart, essentially. To Kyrie and Smart, right? Yep. So, you know, we'll see how much. I think Smart's probably going to have to have an increase in minutes. Um, they, in fact, now are a bit suddenly not that deep at the two. Um, but uh, I guess my bigger question was not slightly tangential to the um, to the trade, which we'll obviously come back to. But I'm now thinking about Hayward and his role in a uh, in a in a team that's not going to play much defense is going to be even a worse rebounding team than they were last year when they were what 28th. 20, they were terrible, right? Um, ter- terrible rim protecting. There's no toughness, and so I go. That's an, for Danny Ainge to kind of s- throw some significant assets at a team that didn't get better defensively, didn't get better offensively, 
um, and got one extra year of control for a shoot first, score first, super confident, amazingly talented point guard. So he basically got one extra year of a, you know, um, 23 PER player. I go, that's worth a year. I, I just, I, I, I don't see the logic. I just don't see it. So I'm, I'm probably, I'm, it makes sense on paper. I get the overpay, you know, to get a 25 year old borderline superstar, but I just don't see why this player. And so I've, I, I don't understand the logic. Someone paint, can you paint it for me? Well, I think that they've, they would have, the the stories I'm reading is I think they've gotten some some level of confidence from Kyrie Irving that he will sign an extension. Okay, now this is a polarizing player, Dad. So some people think he's going to be a superstar and that's going to be his trajectory. Other people think he's really no better than Kemba Walker potentially, but because he plays next to LeBron James, he looks a lot better. Okay, I'm probably in the former camp. Where I don't mind this trade is. I think their team makes actually makes more sense to me now. And the, and the the one caveat I'd put on is they've now got some roster spots. So let's see if there is anyone out there that they can maybe sign and bring in and give them a little bit extra rebounding, maybe a little bit extra off the bench in the guard spots as well. Uh, so that, that'll be interesting to watch how they sort of round this roster out. But I, I think... As, in, as silly as it sounds, I, I actually think both the Cavs and the Celtics got better for next season by doing this trade. Because I do think Kyrie Irving is better than Isaiah Thomas for this team. Uh, but I think the, the downgrade for the Cavs from Kyrie to Isaiah is not as, as great as the upgrade is for the Celtics, if that makes sense, because of the LeBron factor. Uh, I think Jay Crowder, yes, they'll miss him, but I think there was already question marks for the Celtics of how is Jay Crowder fit in. We still want to find minutes for Jalen Brown. We still want to find minutes for um, oh, what was the third the third pick in the draft? His name's escaping me now. Um, Tatum. Tatum. We still need to find some minutes for Jason Tatum as well. So that that solves that issue also. Uh, so let's see. I guess, how that plays out. They've still got Aaron Baines, so I guess your, your starting five is going to look something like Aaron Baines, Al Horford, Haywood, Marcus Smart, and Kyrie Irving. And then you've got Brown, Tatum, uh, and who knows who else they may sign coming off the bench as well. So I, I just I, I, that's where I think, and I think, from the point of view, if they are able to re-sign, if he does develop into a bigger star than what we maybe think he will, um, then the Celtics uh, are, are sitting pretty. And at some point, they had to cash in those chips. You know, they, they, they were sitting there with the Brooklyn pick. They had the Brooklyn pick and potentially the Lakers pick next year. If not the Lakers pick, it'll be the Kings pick the year after. So they're still, they're still well-placed in terms of draft assets. Um, and I don't think... Isaiah Thomas is as big a loss as it, it seems right at the moment. Um, that would be my sort of take on it. Uh, but as I say, this whole trade for the Celtics is going to live and die, clearly, by how Kyrie Irving develops from here. Because we've only seen the first few years of his career without LeBron. And he was, well, the team was terrible. He put up numbers. The team wasn't very good. And of course, the team was pretty terrible when LeBron rested. Uh, during the years that he came back. So you wouldn't be overly keen on the fact if you're... Let's say Phoenix went and did a similar trade. 
you'd be absolutely apoplectic about it. But the Celtics, I think, have got enough talent still around Kyrie that he can thrive in that role. The question is, how much better is he going to be than Isaiah Thomas? And then does he sign the extension, etc.? But obviously, Danny Ainge feels that he's he's a fair way better than Isaiah Thomas, and that he'll sign the extension. And this is it sets them up um, for the, for the years down the track. I guess. Yeah, I I guess I I just go what what are the Celtics building? That's what I that's what this perplexes me. What are they what are they building for? Are they building for a team that can can, can beat the Cavs? Are they trying to build a team that can beat Golden State in this modern, you know, sort of the modern style of play? I don't understand what they're trying to build. Well, the funny thing this is, was a, sorry this was to just asset. interrupt you there. The funny yeah. the only thing I'd throw into that is I would have felt better about this trade had they have kept the number one pick and taken Fultz. And then you say, now we've got Fultz and Kyrie. Kyrie's still only 25. There's our backcourt of the future. That's a backcourt that can compete in today's NBA. And, okay, you're giving up that Brooklyn pick, but we're ready to move forward with this, this roster now. Um, so I'd probably feel better about the trade had they not have done the trade, the swap between Tatum and 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 Fultz. But I guess time will tell on that as well. Yeah, but I, that's fair, and I and I think we I just have to believe everything they say. They'd have taken Tatum number one. They just like Tatum. So I don't a, believe that you know, for a second. I don't believe that for a second. I think that was Danny Ainge just. Um, ah, I don't know, yeah. bragging a bit, trying to make out he won a trade. Um, that he probably he probably didn't win. So, um, but anyway, we'll we'll wait and see how how those two develop going forward. Either way, this the attractive rate, the extra you know um, the extra pick they got uh, the Lakers pick right very attractive for what they think was not much of a downgrade from Fultz to Tatum. But I just don't see what they're building. I, I just kind of repeat: if you're going to overpay, that's fine. You've got the assets to overpay. Why do you overpay for a one-dimensional player? A spectacularly one-dimensional. He is. Spe- I love Kyrie's game, especially right from two years ago in the finals that live on forever. So I love it. I just don't understand his fit in a team that doesn't defend, doesn't rebound, and doesn't rim protect. And I go, what are they actually? What is it that they're trying to build? And I go, why do you destroy value? Why do you overpay for someone who's not on from this roster? doesn't seem like an ideal fit. That's what I don't quite understand. Because now what they're getting, right, is this, a score-first, shoot-first point guard who is going to shoot more and score more than he ever has because that's the reason he wanted out. He wanted to. He wants to be Russell Westbrook, right? He wants to own and control and run a franchise and have the ball in his hands nonstop. And so I go, how is that going to help Jalen and Tatum, who already are kind of redundant at a position and as same as Gordon Hayward, they're all kind of threes. So I go, how, how are they going to, how are they going to play? And how is a score for shoot first point guard who now they've basically locked themselves into going to help them? I, I just don't see it now. Grant Brad Stevens is a lot smarter than me um, to say the least, but I, I just, I didn't see the logic if they would have kept, if they would have drafted Fultz and then got Jimmy Butler, that now it makes sense to me. Yeah. Right, because now you got yourself a team. Now you got yourself a team, a young point guard who can learn off of supremely talented scoring machines like Butler and Hayward, with the young kids, you know, Brown, with the young kid Brown still there. So I go, that made a lot more sense for me. So I still go, they've got a wickedly imperfect team because what? Unless they think Terry Rozier 
is got a you know a massive leap to make. You know, Marcus Smart's going to be playing tons of minutes, and Marcus Smart's the you know is one dimensional player on the other side of the ball. So I just I just don't see why you'd you'd overpay for Kyrie. Why this team would overpay for him? So well, it's a good point to make in terms of I think you've got to look at all Boston's moves together. Okay, so they've they've lost Avery Bradley to pick up Marcus Smart. They went and signed Gordon Hayward. They did the Fultz for Tatum trade. Marcus right. Morris, you meant Marcus yeah. Morris? Yeah, too many marks. That was a, but that was just clearing. That was just clearing clearing cap. That was to clearing get cap space. But yep. obviously yep. they've they've made a number of roster moves. <clears throat> And yeah, I guess you got to look at it in totality and say, how much sure. better is this team getting? And then, of course, you throw the Brooklyn pick in on top of that. Um, so that, that mortgages their future a little bit more or hurts their future a little bit more going forward. So, and, and I guess they've, it all hinges on how much better is, Isaiah, is Kyrie Irving than Isaiah Thomas. Uh, and... I get, because you're, you're certainly right. He is a taller version of Isaiah. I think it's a little bit overblown saying Gordon Hayward's going to lose a lot of shots. I mean, Isaiah Thomas was going to take a lot of shots in this, in this offense. I'm not sure how many more, if any, Kyrie will take. So I'm not sure that there's going to be a massive impact there. I think the big thing will be how much more efficient is Kyrie going to be? And is he going to be better on, from a distribution point of view than what probably uh, Isaiah Thomas was last year? We certainly haven't seen that side of his game. We saw hints of it in the playoffs last year. I remember we, we did bring it up on one of our pods uh, that, that he had some good assist numbers. I think it was in the second round against Toronto. Um, you know, Put the lack of competition aside, he did put up decent assist numbers there, so showed he could... Um, be a distributor of some sort so that's I guess can he make that step in his game um, and there's been a lot of concerns a lot of stuff written about how will Isaiah Thomas age so if you were going to, even thinking about re-signing Isaiah Thomas how was his game going to go as he got older and sort of went into his later 20s and even into the 30s uh, from there so Look, I understand the Celtics thinking. I think it was, there's was no question in, in at all it was an overpay. But I, I feel like it's still a win-win from their point of view because they're ready to, they're ready to compete. Um, they've picked up the second-best player from the team that, that smashed them uh, in the playoffs last year. They obviously feel, uh, they feel he's a good fit for that team. Uh, I think he'll be a very, very nice fit at the... The question I would love them to have been able to keep Avery Bradley now, though, and maybe move Marcus Smart on, and that's why I go back to you've got to look at the totality of the moves and think, gee, if you knew Kyrie Irving was coming in, do you really want to get Kyrie, move Avery Bradley out, or are there other players that would have been made more sense to move out? Um, other than that, well, Bradley was the only player to get the money clear, so I think that was a that was almost a fate of completing, right? And plus, well, I think there also... was the sign and trade for Jay Crowder and, and and Hayward was on the table as well. So there uh, were, yeah, there were yeah. other options there. Crowder, yeah, you're right, but Crowder too valuable, right? As we proved here, like he's a that's a great get on the Cleveland side, right? So, um, I so I'm going to leave it. I'm I'm going to be unconvinced that that um that this team is the team is the roster that you'd put you'd want to put up against Golden State or, or Cleveland. Like, I just don't see it. There's no defense, no toughness, no rebounding. And 
they'd have to outscore and be more efficient than a Houston and a Golden State, and it's just not it's just not going to happen. So I, 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 Kyrie's a little bit better than Isaiah. He's probably a lot healthier, perhaps. And so I see the logic from the if Isaiah's on an expiring, right, trading while he does have value, and it is a unique fit, right? Isaiah with the one year deal or the one year left on his deal. It's a unique fit with LeBron, right? One year left on his deal. And so on that side of the ball, it almost sickens me to have the team that wins the fucking ping pong lottery every single year um, to now basically get a windfall, you know, for one of their ping pong balls, Kyrie, to get a to get a haul like this is actually quite impressive for Cleveland. So I think Cleveland got deeper. Um, they got themselves a future asset. And I'm just that now they got two fire breathing dragons, Isaiah, who's constantly overlooked. And here we are again talking about Kyrie must be this enormous upgrade over him because look at all the assets they threw at him. And I go, there isn't a number that tells me that's true. I think my, you know, our emotion would tell us. I think we all have a, a, you know, midget bias with Isaiah. There isn't a single stat. I go pick, pick and build me a logical profile about how Kyrie Irving is a, a top four lottery pick plus one of the most attractive three and D contracts literally in the entire NBA and a young center better than an extra year of, of this player. It's just, it's unfathomable unless Isaiah's hurt, right? So putting Isaiah's injury aside, man, talk about a guy. If he just had a chip on his shoulder, his whole life, think about how that chip just quintupled in size. Here he is, right? The, he was a hero in Boston the last couple of years, right? He has that had that crowd and that team in that city eating out of the palm of his hand with his clutch performance after clutch performance after clutch performance. Um, the fourth quarter performance, right, is um, we all know about that. Um, and almost this this cold-blooded killer on every single game, he's fucking dumped. And he's dumped like one of four assets for the next coming. I go, overlooked, undervalued again. And now he's with LeBron, who's got one year left on his deal, right? And they're trying to they're gonna make one final run. So I if I'm a Cavs fan, and I think our our main man Cavs fan is probably as optimistic as I am about this season alone, right? Which is the only season that matters in Cleveland. This season is the only season that matters. It was an A triple plus trade for the Cavs. And then I started looking at the contract implications, so which we'll get to if, if there's if the nerds want to uh, nerds want to stick around for that, but the normal people want to take off. But uh, um, I, I, you know me and motive and uh, and player intent and human drive and ambition, and Isaiah has played with a chip on his shoulder his entire career that parlayed to a you know twenty nine point per game average as a five foot nine dude on the number one seed, and now he's playing next to LeBron. I go, I love that chemistry. I love that thought process of that. And tough guy, do-everything, glue guy, Jay Crowder, I think is an, a wonderful piece, a classic three, because Cleveland hasn't had a three. They literally haven't, right? Corver playing a bit of three, and J.R. Smith out of position playing three. So I go, LeBron in his final you know. Finally, you're in Cleveland. Oops. LeBron can just be a four. He needs to be a four. He is a four. Um, now he has a classic three and D tough guy who can defend the wing because Crowder, 
Crowder can go out there and fucking bash Draymond, and Crowder can chase around and annoy the shit out of Kevin Durant. So LeBron can sag. LeBron can sag and play some Draymond and if the if the Golden State has a five in there. So I think Crowder is an enormously important piece. And if I'm LeBron thinking, I've got my, my five foot nine, thirty point a game fire breathing dragon who can help us win fifty five games in the regular season, while LeBron places, you know, places hard out like for twelve of the eighty two games. Um, and then come playoff time and he's got his man he's got a three next to him who can bash and chase and run and defend and shoot a little bit so I couldn't I couldn't love this trade more for Cleveland it almost sickens me that this ping pong ball team you know has 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 one of these things but it's um I I couldn't love it more uh, does anyone not like this trade I guess that's uh I haven't read well, any. It's only, yeah, it's only how yeah. much do you like it on the Boston side? I've heard people give it an F. I've heard people give it a B plus on the Boston side. I'll probably yeah. sit around the sort of oh, B minus C range. It sounds like you're a bit lower on, on, on the trade than what I am. I mean, the, the last point I'd make on the Celtics as you crack another beer in the background there. Can you hear that? There you go. <laughs> Just for our fans at home. <laughs> <laughs> So the last point I make on Boston is, if I'm Danny Age, I would do this trade. The reason being, I think, if Isaiah Thomas, if you, if you bring in that team with Isaiah Thomas, Al, Al Horford, uh, Jay Crowder comes back, you know what that team's ceiling is. Okay, I think you know where that team's heading. Okay, you've still got some nice draft assets, etc. I think you bring Kyrie Irving in. There's a little bit of a, okay, now we've just raised their ceiling a little bit. Now the question is, how much have we raised their ceiling? And we haven't completely sold away our future either, um, given that we've still got the, that nice Lakers or Kings pick uh, in the next couple of drafts. So, uh, because we just don't know how good is Kyrie Irving going to be without LeBron, even in the background, nothing, nothing to do with the club, and it's now his team. Um that that's the question that will be answered. So I think he had to roll the dice. Look, I would have probably preferred him to do it with Jimmy Butler, um, Paul George. We don't know what the sort of package would have looked like. Certainly, I wouldn't have given up anything like this for Paul George. I wouldn't no. have given up this for Jimmy Butler and, and been more happy about it. But if you get a, a star, and unquestionably Kyrie Irving's a star, it's just what level of star is he going to be? Um, from the Cavs' point of view, Look, they've just gotten... Don't forget, they were the number two seed last year. They weren't the number one seed. The Boston were number one seed. They've just traded their number two player out to get the best player from the number one seed. And maybe <laughs> their second best player as well, if you want to look at it that way. The big story here for the Cavs is they don't need LeBron. LeBron could get injured in the first game next year for this team and not come back until January, February. And I think they're still going to be a playoff team. They may still be a four or five seed because we've seen Isaiah Thomas lead a team before. So LeBron, to your point earlier, he doesn't have to bust bust the gut the way he was the last couple of years. I don't think you're going to see LeBron playing mid-30 minutes unless he does have a, a hard on the win another MVP. I just don't think we're going to see those big minutes. He can rest up a bit more during For the regular sure. season. Let uh, Isaiah Thomas, of course, there's a big there's a big matzo ball hanging out there now. Do they trade Kevin Love and completely remake the team? Which is also potentially on the cards. Who knows how that's, that, that turns out as well. So, 
and, and of course, Jay Crowther takes some of the defensive. So you've, it's perfect for LeBron because Isaiah takes some of the uh, playmaking and scoring burden off him. Jay Crowther takes some of the defensive burden off him. And he's st- now maybe staying in Cleveland's a little bit more attractive for him as well, particularly if they luck out in the lottery again. Who knows? They get another ping pong ball from fall number one. Um, because we know, you know, there's, I don't think there's too much question that the Nets will be in the lottery at least next year. So, from Cleveland's point of view, as you say, A plus 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 plus. You, you just you could not have done better out of this trade, given where Kyrie Irving sat and given the the, the sort of market that was out there for him. So, um, and I think there's there's no question they're going to be better in the regular season. Whether they'll be better or not in the playoffs, I guess remains to be seen. Um, <laughs> Here's my here's my question. Who starts for Cleveland? Well, What's your starting five? It would be... Does Kevin Love start? Well... Is it, is it Isaiah, J.R. Smith, Crowder, LeBron, and Tristan? Maybe they, yeah. Well, look, it wouldn't make sense in, this, in a way to move Kevin Love to the bench. And and actually, if Kevin Love was smart, he, he probably shouldn't push back on it too much because he's then the scorer of that second unit. He's not fighting... LeBron, Isaiah for touches, he can go down the back into the low post. You know, have a few. Or can he down there? Or can he play? Or just make? Is that can make Kevin Love a pure five now? Where, where basically he's a he's a five because Crowder Crowder can play thirty minutes a night, right? So I kind of go, Crowder can only basically only play the three. So I just I was just thinking yeah, about well, that. Tristan is Thompson's I, a better fit with that lineup than what Kevin Love he is. is. He is, yeah, I agree. I don't think there's much. But I go, how is that. how is Kevin Love going to feel about coming off the bench? Because he can't, because Tristan off the bench and Kevin Love, and you got Derek Rose, Shump, Corver, Tristan, and Zizic as your kind of your and whatever Flotsam and Jetsam are still there. Channing well, Fry. I, and, I think players look at it differently these days than you're coming off the bench. I think. A lot of times, players' team's third best player comes off the bench because you're just saying you're now the leader of the second unit and we've got two dominant, ball-dominant, offensively dominant players in our starting five. You're better served coming off the bench. I mean, we saw James Harden do it in OKC. We've seen uh, Manu Ginobili, the most famous example. We've seen Cantor do it in OKC again. So it's it's not that unusual now to see guys come off the bench. And I don't think people take it as, as the slap in the face that they might have, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I don't know. The, a 25 and 12 player who's been consistently kind of overlooked and borderline misused for three years in Cleveland is now, right, going to come off the bench. This, I mean, you'd have to give credit to Love if he actually does that. The amount of shit he's taken in the backseat he continues to take, and maybe he deserves some criticism, but I... Because I, I just don't... I don't see him in the starting lineup, though. Because you're right, because Isaiah, Jr. or does maybe Crowder move to the bench, and you've got... I just don't see LeBron playing the three. Well, I'll give you a hot tag. I don't think he'll be on the team. You you don't think Kevin Love's going to be on the team? I think they'll trade him. All right. I'm not sure I'm not who ready for, but that's that's my my gut feel is I think they'll trade because I think they're going to be having the same discussion we are, albeit yeah. probably not with um, with cans of beer opening every few minutes. 
uh, to sort of say, look, how does this lineup going to look? How does Kevin Love fit in here now? What do we need for this team? Jesus Christ, I'm not ready for this. Right. So, you know, <laughs> and and looking forward as well, I mean, how, how long do you want Kevin Love? He's got another couple of years on his contract as well. Um, so how much longer do you want Kevin Love uh, within, the, within the Cavaliers organisation? So what's Cleveland missing? So I go, we all, everyone loves this trade. Um, they saved, if they, it looks like, um, just for the, I'll do the snippet on the salary cap, but the thing that really struck me was um, Kyrie waving his trade kicker. So Kyrie basically gave up six million bucks to make this happen. That's how bad he wanted out of Cleveland. He literally gave away six million dollars, which is allowed in the collective bargaining agreement. You're allowed to waive your 15% trade kicker. Yep. So he did that. Cleveland actually cleared space in this deal. And with their, because they're a repeat offender in the tax, that if they cut, if they let the non-guaranteed contracts of Felder and Tavares go, um, their projected tax bill would be down to, I'm now just reading this here, about 49 million, which is about 30 million lower than their previous projection. Considering their tax implications, they might have saved 30 million bucks on this deal. So to recap, they get a 29 points per game score who's going to be a fire-breathing dragon in Isaiah. They get one of the best, most attractive 3-and-D contracts in the entire NBA, who's locked in for three years with Jay Crowder, that allows LeBron you know, to play a little bit even less more on defense. And they got themselves, um, you know, uh, I don't know anything about Zizic, right? He's a body, and he's cheap, which is nice for them. It's a cheap body to maybe play some big man minutes off the bench and a great draft pick, and they saved $30 million dollars. That went from my A triple plus to A quintuple plus when I read when I read that. No, that only matters to Dan Gilbert. But um, if I'm Kobe Altman, I, don't you just retire now? Well, he's in his uh, bonus. <laughs> I'm just by, I said kick back, right? So I think Kobe is the only other guy opening a, the Stone IPAs with this frequency that I am at the moment. But uh, so anyway, that's a little caponomics if you're if you're into that sort of thing. I think they need. Um, I mean, in terms of what they need, I think they need another three and D guy. So I'm, I'm, I know they've had some interest in Danny Green, for example, uh, the Spurs. So maybe you could make a, I don't know, just throwing names out there. Well, Aldridge and they... Green for for Love and Shumpert, and obviously the Spurs are probably throwing something extra on top of that. But but that could work and, and certainly make the the Cavs a bit better again. Is it possible that Jeff Green has like a a Dion Waiters Renaissance season? No. Maybe he does no. a thousand sit ups and no, no. no. You don't know, maybe because <laughs> because no, no I would chance. have said there's no chance James Johnson and Dion Waiters are going to do, you know, 500 ISO bar sit ups a day and turn of the season they turned in, but uh, yeah, look, I don't if, know. If, I, maybe if Jeff Green signed for Miami, I'd, I'd be open to it, but not uh, Cleveland and uh, Ty Lue don't have the same the same. History. Look, I don't I don't know what's going on in Dallas, but my I'm sort of like, wouldn't it be I don't have any of the numbers in front of me, but I think I'd, but I'd just love someone like a Nerlens Noel in Cleveland, a guy who can run around and, and scare the fuck out of people on defensive end for a while. Um, let Tristan play some four and some big lineups while LeBron goes to the bench, and he can play play a bunch of shooters one through one through three. It's like, is there a is there a Kevin Love for Nerlens Noel sort of thing? Because he's a fucking pissed off dude. 
right? It's like, oh, there's your sign and trade. He gets his twenty million. Flip him, flip him around to get Kevin Love. That's my, there's my hot take. My theory is a there's a Nerlens, Nerlens, a Nerlens in the future, but. Well, um, yeah, you could get Nerlens, and I mean, I imagine that's a that's a two for one. I'm not sure who else uh, on the Dallas roster you could bring over as well for that. Um, you'd love to get another wing. I mean, that's that's what they're really missing, um, and try and upgrade that chumper position. That'd be the key for them, I think. If they could do that, um, then you, you're like, okay, now we feel like we could, we're at least a little bit closer to going to war with with the Warriors. Um, Maybe if it's a, if it's another inevitable um, finals finals matchup, and so the, the other interesting. Well, part we can do of, a we can do a Kevin Love and Channing Fry for Wes Matthews and Nerlens Noel. Boom. There you go. Yeah, Lock well, it, it depends in. how much how much has Wes got left in the tank. He shows some signs at times, Wes Matthews, and you think he's back, and then he goes another couple of weeks and you, and you hardly see him. But I think in that situation, that'd be a perfect situation for Wes Matthews. Um such a shame that the, the Achilles injury he had um, just has, uh, uh, to my mind, just hasn't quite come back the same player, um, even though he's shown flashes from time to time. But that's the sort of trade. You, you, you're certainly on the right track. That's the sort of trade if they're going to move yeah. in love that they need to be thinking about. And uh, Noel, maybe there's a, a sign trade there that makes sense. Uh, from Nolan's Noel's point of view, but th- th- it is right. There, there are some roster questions I think that the Cavs have that haven't been settled yet. Um, but I think that they're feeling pretty good about how they've come out of, out of that situation. Obviously, the Celtics they've still got they've now got a couple of roster spots as well. So let's see um, what sort of players. Obviously, not a hell of a lot of big name for ages, having enough cap space to go and offer um, Plumley or Noel, who still haven't re-signed uh, for Denver. And no, Plumley signed with the Lakers, didn't he? Marshall Plumley, yeah, he's gone. No, 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 I'm t- Mason. I know there's a lot of Plumleys around from uh, Denver. There's three of them. Okay. I know Miles is your personal favourite, but... I heart him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, Mason Plumley. Um, has yet to sign, so they've um, and it was the Clippers that signed Marshall. So anyway, so we'll we'll wait and see on those. No doubt, there's a bit more. So we'll we'll see. Uh, as I said, my my initial grades a a quadruple plus for the Cavs, fantastic deal for them. Um, a bear though, I'll, I'll give the Celtics a B minus. I'm a bit high. What would you rate the Celtics at the end of the day? On yep. the it went from A triple to A quintuple plus when <laughs> I read about the the thing. I think the you know the giant um, confident uh, testicles of the year go to Kobe Altman already. I mean, what a phenomenal first sort of making your mark. Mm. Um, right. So I don't know anything about Kobe Altman, but fucking well done, mate. I call this kind of a C minus. I just think it's really high. It's a high risk. Like I get Kyrie on paper. It's just, it's just a high risk. It's a high risk trade to trade that many assets for a, um, for I think a guy who's, I don't know, fifteen percent, ten percent better than Isaiah. That's all. That's my problem. I and mean, I don't see it that they're a finished product. I would have thought when you're going to go a big big deal like this, you're going to be closer to a, a finished product. And I just um, they're obviously not there yet, but Danny probably has a longer 
time horizon. They still do have a lot of future assets. Um, um, well, but I, I give it a C. and Browns to develop too. So, um, they I think they're again, I hope I hope Brad Stevens is Tatum, Tatum Brown and Hayward. They're all threes and fours. You're gonna play two or three of them. I guess he can do that. But then none well, of them can rebound. You've got, of... you got ball handlers, wings, and bigs. That, he's not worried yeah. about ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives anymore. So, um, okay, it's it's good to see though teams working together to find win wins. I mean, we're about to start our fantasy football season, and you know, there's a member of our league that will just won't even consider going into a trade if he thinks it's a win win. He's only interested in going to trades a hundred percent win to him and a zero percent win to you so he can crow about it. So um and I think we both know who we're talking about there. So it's good to see from the NBA point of view teams working together and trying to get to a situation where it's a win win. Well um, I I doubt there was any kumbaya <laughs> with Danny fucking Ainge, right? But um uh I the interesting thing for me to think about was who's who's been sitting on this deal waiting to say yes to it. Oh, I think that the, had, the, the, was it the first round, the first round pick. Was the that pick the, it was whether the, yeah. uh, my understanding is the Celtics wanted to give their first round pick, and the Cavs said um, we want to give, uh, we want it to be the Brooklyn, and that was the sticking point. Uh, Zizic was only in there to make the salaries match, um, but I mean there was some buzz around Zizic too, so don't be. I wouldn't be completely shocked if we see him playing 10 to 15 minutes a night throughout the season and maybe having a few moments, um, you know, and ending up on the end of our fantasy rosters when we get when we get desperate. So Zizic might be a, a reasonable play, and we know they don't have a hell of a lot of centres on that Cleveland roster either. Um, but that was certainly my understanding, as limited as what it is, is that is the, that was the sticking point, the... Um, of what what the first round draft pick was going to look like, um, yeah. Okay, so look, as we might move on to some uh, some of our listener questions, um, we had, as I said, we were inundated. I've had to take a day off today just going through them all. Um, they've come from all around the world, Australia and the US predominantly. Um, that I'll read out. The first one is Daniel from Bowmain. And he asks whether we agree that Zaza Pachulia bears an uncanny resemblance to Herman Munster. Mm, mm. Look, it's a fair question. Look, you know, Herman Munster, who had, uh, you know, probably a, let's say, below average IQ, you know, but had a, had a big heart and was a, is a team player. And so I think that the, the infantile mind, along with the... I guess kind of the oversized boots that Munster had, right? Those big giant black boots, the the shit kickers. I think, you know, and Zaza with the famous the famous left foot. Um, so I I can see it. I think it's a really fair and it's a great comp. That's a really good comp, actually. So I'm I'm all in on that one. Yeah, I think Herman Munster wasn't a complete another prick though. That's that's probably where the difference ends. But certainly from he was a he was a family man. That's true, wasn't yeah, it? That's yeah, right. yeah. Uh, Michelle from Boise, Idaho asks, how long until the Greek freak demands a trade from the Bucks because they're, quote-unquote, not committed to winning? Uh, so, it's a loaded question, isn't it, right? Which is, uh, and I think, that, you know, whether it's Giannis or, I guess it's Giannis and Anthony Davis are the only, the kind of the two players, right, who are stuck in these cesspool of towns, 
Um, so the answer is two and a half years. <laughs> to just give it a number, 2.5 years is the number. So um, he's just not even begun his four-year extension. So you, I think you got at least two years where he'll examine, you know, just how fucked up the ownership is. Um, so this year will breeze by, you know, they, the Bucks will finish, you know, basically the five seed. It's almost a foregone conclusion, injuries aside from every team. They might win a first-round series. They might not. doesn't matter. Then they'll open the new arena next year. Then it'll be super fun and exciting, and they'll probably maybe get a four-seed that year, and we'll know whether or not Jabari's knee has blown up for the 115th time or not. And so then that, for me, then after that sec, kind of season three, so the 2019-2020, that's about when – that trade that, that trade Don Light was going to start thinking about whether or not it's real. So, it, the answer is two point five seasons. Michelle, that's a great question. Uh, it, it, just to, to do you think how much of that's going to come from the media though? And there, there is going to be some hype, isn't there? Once once that once it goes along, I guess, and particularly if, if the Bucks don't have the success and, and the clock's sort of going to be ticking on them, probably not this season but next season. I mean, do you worry more about? the media build-up and, and the boot-up within the media and that 24-7 news cycle, or Giannis's mental state, for want of a better word, and thinking about the Bucks? Um, probably more the latter. Look, uh, you know, the media and the Twitterverse, I, you know, I think it's proven repeatedly to be, you know, pretty retarded. So I don't spend too much time worrying about it. Um, it elected Donald Trump after all, and right. So, um, look, Giannis is Giannis is unique. Sorry, Giannis, right? Who comes from nothing? Um, he does have a little bit of. He's still boyish and lived with his mom and dad, right, in Milwaukee. And there's there's a naivete about that, right? As a, he's literally an immigrant who's come so far so quickly, where if you're going to spin me a yarn about loyalty and someone who wants to be with his franchise for eternity, you know, I can start to draw the parallels between uh, Dirk, Dirk and Giannis. And so therefore there's a bit of pr- there's pride in these guys in a different way. Um, it, so it will depend a huge amount on his relationship. Yes. With the front office and their belief, but a lot of it will be, as evidenced by Kyrie, will be a lot to do with the coach. So I think the coaching will have a lot to do with the winning. Every every data point I have so far says that Kidd and Giannis are a phenomenal match because it was Kidd's idea to make it to create point Giannis. And so I think there's um, the development of Giannis. I think a lot of that should go to Jason Kidd and his, I guess, his vision for how to stack success and build confidence and build the body whilst building skills and shaping the mind and stuff. So um, this is probably the longer answer than you wanted, but um, it's more the mindset and that mindset will be a function. I think of the, uh, I'm even dare even say even less about winning on court and more about the culture that they build and the relationship he has with the coaching staff. Well, you're giving longer answers than we needed on the Bucks is nothing new. Don't, well, M, M. Cram from Balmain just shouldn't be asking about the Bucks. You're just going to get 
just just it's going to be soliloquy after soliloquy so <laughs> there you go now chris from wellington uh via roselle chris i know good guy new zealand fan of the nba he wants to know about sean marks and he asks he should, where would sean marks rank in terms of uh, the gms currently in the nba so would it be top five top ten and what are the sort of tiers that you would think of off the top of your head let's say who's the top five gms and who are sort of the more of the bottom five gms oh, and where would sean great, marks rank among that great question uh boy that's a hard one so off the top off the top of my head um so I think Sean Marks would have been higher up until the Alan Crab. I didn't love the Alan Crab deal because now they they've kind of given away their salary cap, but he suddenly built an NBA team. So it's hard not to put um, Pop and Buford up there in the top five. Um, Daryl Morey's probably my number one just because of the creativity that he creates. So he's definitely a top five. Um, who am I missing? Oh, I Masai. Masai. I think Ajiri is a. Super confident Presti, I think, deserves a lot of credit. Um, I guess it's weird where you'd, you'd want to give Bob Myers. It's almost like why does why does Golden State not get enough credit? It's because they're they're almost too good. It almost felt like it's too lucky. But so he'd hard it'd be hard pressed not to well, put Bob Myers up done? there, right? What's he done? Well, just drafted, just drafted brilliantly. I mean, honestly, oh, God, the, the drafted... draft's a crapshoot. The draft's a crapshoot. Yeah, so that's what I mean. So they got lucky, but I mean, you know, build a build a dynasty. So look, but in terms of the oh, there's another um, name I'll throw out there: uh, Arturis Karnasovas from Denver, from the Lithuanian. I know he took over um, after Masai and sort of has continued on, but I like what they're doing there in Denver. Well, he's he was the assistant, right? The Bucks were yeah. going to make him. It's who's their um? It's uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but yeah, he seems to be an up and comer. Um, I'm a little bit biased for the a little bit like in the San Antonio model, but the Pat Riley Spolster model of how can you make you know making uh, getting more from less. So I love them, but then so Marks from a so he had such a unique challenge, right? To have um, absolute scorched earth of talent, a scorched earth roster, uh, bad salary cap situation, and no draft picks for eternity to build what seems to be a really, he's gotten himself a really good coach. He gets a high grade for that. He's got himself some assets. He's done, you know, pretty well with his, you know, collecting some first rounders. So to, for a guy who had the, like probably the hardest job, <laughs> excuse me, in the NBA, He's easily top, easily top ten, and I'd probably say you know he's probably gun to my head top seven. Yeah, top for six. degree of difficulty, he's up there. I mean, he's one of those yeah. guys. In five years, we might be saying he is the number one. Like if he yeah. pulls it off, there's no yeah. doubt about that. Um, yeah, let's go. That's to a great the, question. The bottom of the, the bottom of the, the totem pole though. When we're looking at GMs, um, Steve Jackson, Steve Phil Jackson, Steve Mills. Next, <laughs> what, what about Gar Foreman? No. Next, no. Well, let's oh. uh, even if we put them in in a our packs. Good point. Even if we put them in a um, the New York Knickerbockers uh, GMs in in their own divisions, you've still got the Ernie Grunfelds, 
you've still got the Rob Hennigans. I know Hennigan got sacked, but he did a, a fantastic job uh, in Orlando. For the rest Mate, Del Del Demps has to be down there. That son of a bitch. How, there's not a there's a GM that doesn't there's not anyone that makes me angrier. If Vlade used to right, but Dell is the new Vlade. Dell is the new Vlade. Black, in orange is the new black. Um, I think Vlade Vlade's ticked up. I think Vlade's moved from thirty to, you know, he's like solidly like number twenty five or twenty six now. He's, he's only the bottom fifteen percent of the league. So yeah, well, I think Scott Perry sort of lifted him up uh, <laughs> just by association. He, he didn't. I, I think yeah. it's it's a very low bar for for Vlade. If he just so doesn't I think it's screw a, the whole thing up, people give him marks. Garpax, whoever's in New York, um, the clown car in Orlando, uh, Dell Demps is probably the bottom, and then fucking Doc Rivers, man. I think Doc Rivers has plummeted down, hasn't he? Wouldn't he deserve? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I think Doc Rivers. I mean, I think. Um, Bud's Mark Budenholzer, who's not there anymore, but he didn't do an extremely good job either uh, at Atlanta. But I think Doc Rivers has yeah. uh, set a, a very low bar in his own right. Uh, next question. Bill from Yorkie's Knob asks, if you can rank the all-time great beards in NBA history on a scale from Stephen Curry to James Harden. And I gather he's putting Steph Curry at the bottom of that, James Harden at the top. Oh, right. So, um, well, Tranny Beard has to win. So Curry has to win the most disquieting beard, right, to be such a wonderful player. And then to have you question your own identity and manhood while watching him watching him play. And, you know, I didn't know whether to, you know, play the crying game or kiss myself in the mirror watching stuff play. So that, that was the most quizzical of the beards. Um, who else? Who's the beards? Didn't, didn't Bill Walton have himself a, a kind of creepy, you know, ginger Yeti sort of look. That was probably the one that jumps out for me. Um, I always liked the Chris Kamen beard. That was always one. Oh, that was a terrifying one. Oh, Chris Kamen beard. Yeah, that was like back alley. He'd look like yeah. he'd just come straight off the set of Deliverance. Uh, to yeah. The games, actually. And, and another one that just I'll call it more just unnerving is, do you remember remember Baron Davis? Didn't you, didn't you get the feeling that Baron Davis's beard like extended all the way to his pubes? Like it was just one giant lump? All the way down his chest. Oh, Baron was so hairy. It creeped me out. Um, then who was the... The other one was the... Um, like he was still grappling with puberty. Adam Morrison? Do you remember that yeah, one? Yeah, I remember Aaron. No. I remember him crying in the before he got drafted for... Yeah, uh, yeah he's Morrison. crying. Yeah, so... Yeah, and, and so those are, I think, I, I remember the creepy ones, but I think the best, this is up your alley, the best, I think the most all-time badass um, beard was probably more a goatee was fucking Artis Gilmore. Remember Artis Gilmore? Maybe you're, I'm a bit before your age, but he was a, yeah. a Spurs legend who played in the cocaine era, and man, he could score. He was an awesome five, like an offensive sort of threat at the five, and he had the fucking coolest badass, you know. Baddest sort of goatee beard, so 
I don't know. That's yeah, in terms oh, Mike, of Spurs beers, I always remember Antoine Carr had a nice, nice little goatee back in the day before he went to Utah. And this is for the old guy, Mike Jaminski. He had a creepy kind of blonde beard. Again, sort of that more off-putting. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Whoever Who sent that question in? From Harry Knob? Is that where they were? <laughs> Bill where? from Yonkers Knob. Yonkers Knob, right, okay. I got so a, I is that I what? got that place right. He's a loyal yeah. listener. Yeah, it's um, well, so, shout out. That's question of the week, I think, so far. So you're a good one. No doubt. Well, let, let's end on this one. I've got a question for you, which I brought up. and I want to know from you, who is going to be the next team to win the NBA championship outside of the Golden State Warriors? If you had to put your, well, I bet I lies, if you had to put your mortgage on it or whatever money you you're heading your account right now. Who would you be putting it on? Well, bef- before Kyrie, I think that would have been a harder trade. But you know, I, I, you know, the money's the easy money's on Cleveland, right? I mean, that's the that for me is the obvious one. I think they're more of a team, believe it or not, than Houston. You know, um, I'm sorry, I don't have I, I graded in San Antonio's off season as kind of D for disaster. Um, but it's Cleveland. But before, before today, that would have been a much harder question. So today, it's Cleveland. What, well, do you, what about you? For me, I mean, it, it, LeBron, I think's gone. I think this is it for Cleveland. I think they're they're putting it all in the table this year, and then there's going to be a little bit of a rebuilding phase. So unless you think they're a really good chance to win in 2018, which I don't, uh, I think you're probably going to wait out this this year or wait for a team. Oh, I to see your point. Okay. Off. So I'm Who's not talking about team? assuming oh, the Warriors oh, don't right. win next year who would win. Well, then I'd probably agree with you oh, and I'd say, right. um, I'd say that the Cavs, um, although I might have any on OKC, to be honest, but that, they'd be the two terms I'd be looking at. Um, but from a from a broader point of view, I mean, let's, let's say, you know, assuming that even the Warriors would win <sighs> two or three, who's going to be the team that rises up? Uh, then that opens it up, doesn't it? Because then now you're talking Philly. There I say you're talking the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe Minnesota get it together. The Spurs are still going to be around. The Houston is still going to be around. There's going to be a number of teams that could poke their noses into that conversation. Philly's still several years away. Um, we don't know what they have. Well, Boston, Golden State think, might be several years away from not winning titles, quite well, frankly. Well, yeah. It's, I think they're going to at least two more back-to-back, don't they? Oh, that's a really good question. And if I had to put money on it, what if we just put my money on oh, Golden um, Oklahoma City? No. Paul George resigned? Not likely. Denver's kind of fun. Denver? Do they have... They have superstar upside. I'm trying to think who has superstar upside, and that's, I guess that's Boston, Philly, Minnesota. Seth, I don't think Milwaukee has the superstar upside. They got one superstar already, but unless unless Thon makes a development like Giannis, he's not in the conversation. Well, um, I think the roadmap for Milwaukee is Giannis continues his trajectory, and then they get a big name free agent, um, yeah, Anthony um, Davis or someone like that. To go yeah. over and, uh, and to someone to join him. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's a good question. So I, I will guess it's going to go on record. The next team to win it, not named Golden State, is um, 
the Lakers because LeBron will go there and bring all his friends. There you go. There's a cop out. Oh, it'll be San Antonio. <laughs> you're such a you're such a. We had more questions. That's pretty now, good. Well, the next question is: there. Well, yeah. what about the, the NFL fantasy? Let, let's quickly we'll, we'll break. So if you if you're not interested in NFL, you can turn off now. We might have yeah. a quick NFL discussion to end uh, the podcast on quickly from a fantasy point of view. Any players that you're really targeting? Obviously, Mike Lennon's high on your list, but anyone other than that? Yeah, I think um, uh, LeGarrette Blunt. You know, I like myself older, aging, and overweight running backs just to pound it. I well, like Lady Blunt Lacey in like round four. Doing that in Lacey Blunt. and Blunt round three, round four, mm. for sure. I also like, um, you know, sort of uh, players with the injury risk of Andrew Luck. I'm taking him above Rodgers and Brady. So luck, luck is my guy. Um, I can't, I can't give you a real answer. I, we got our draft on Sunday. Luck, Blunt, and Lacey. That's my dream team. Cameron Meredith, Kevin White. Hey, I drafted go... Cameron Meredith twice in mock drafts. So don't. Oh. Uh, he's going. He, he's got some nice value. Doesn't he? Later. <laughs> I think he's about as good as the uh, the Packer the Bucks. The Packers' eleventh receiver, Geronimo Allison, he's about as good as Cam Meredith. So you know, it's 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 so cute what they got going on there in the Chicago Staley's. Bless them. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a better quarterback throwing in the ball, so we don't worry about. It. <laughs> he one day might be as good as Brett Hundley. <laughs> Who's the Packers' backup quarterback? Brett Hundley. It is Brett Hundley. It is, yeah, the UCLA kid. Yeah, he's probably um, better than anyone we've got. So if, if you told me where my draft position was, I'd give you a real answer to that question. But since I don't know where I'm drafting, you know, I can't. I can't. No, I look, I, there's a reason. There's a there's a method to the madness there. I think that, that test, test skill in the drafting process to just find out now before. So you can't go on and do all these mock drafts and have any sort of a plan. I think I like the fact that you, you've got to go with a blindfold on to a certain extent. Oh, that's, that's fair. So, so I'm not going to give you my names, obviously. But I'll, so, what I'm what I'm interested in is right. This is a pretty clearly, um, if you don't have a top two pick, right? I think it's no secret. Le'Veon and David Johnson are pretty easy one two. The middle of the draft is is pretty stable, right? There's those superstar, you know, could be 1600 yards and 15 TD wide receivers and then you got the back end what's interesting i think if you don't have like a top five or six fuck the next 20 players all look the same yeah and so i think the fantasy winners this year are going to be if you get lucky you know your, your first rounder comes through and you hit round two and round three like the number nine pick will be just as good as the number you know 24 pick right i think there's this huge that third tier of players what it feels like doesn't it because there's so many question marks Melvin Gordon, Jordan Howard, Des Bryant. Well, what I'm saying you know, someone, is there's yeah. just a heap of guys that are boom or bust, and then there's a heap of guys that are just blur. Like, I'm going to draft yeah. Matt Forte and get six points every week. Or I'm going right. to draft the rookie in for the Bengals who could get you, who could blow up and give you 20 right. every week or could be Nothing. out of the league in, in six weeks. 
or sh- you know sharing with Jeremy Hill and, and um well Jeremy yeah, Hill's not there anymore is he but um he still is yeah he still is is he yeah. okay so Nix is it Nixon or Mixon yeah Mixon Mixon so, so you get the four that, rookie the running backs you've got yeah. there you go that's right the high upside guys and just hope or do you just go oh you know what I'll just take the points and hope that that's exactly what's that's what's so bizarre is I've, I've done doing this is 21 or 22 years of fantasy league. And I, this is a strange draft and that you're right that it's not usually so deep. Usually the tiers are a little bit clearer, aren't they? Where I go, but shit from about pick eight or nine to about pick 30 that all feel the same. Like, is it, do you want DeMarco Murray or do you want Jordan Howard? I, what do you want the guy who used to be the rushing champion or the guy on the horrible team? Well, it's a, the, you know, the rushing right? thing is the running back thing is is so difficult now. It used to be, you know, you would know guys in the running back, whereas now everyone's going running back by committee, or a lot of teams are. Yeah, so, that's right. And obviously, there's so many injuries as well. So you've got teams like the Bengals who have literally got three guys that they're going to use yeah. the running back. So yeah. it's no longer oh, we're going to give the ball to Tiki Barber, who, who I remember. Took me to my first ever fantasy championship way back in the day. Um, you know, we're going to give it to you, bar. We're going to give it to Adrian Person. You just don't have those workhorse guys anymore. No, and that's what obviously makes Le'Veon Bell and and David Johnson um, so valuable. And even Demarco Murray, like he's got um, the young guy um, whose name again escapes me. Derrick Henry, Derek yeah, Henry that's right. On the door, uh, Lashawn McCoy, right? And the Bills have moved it around. He got. Melvin Gordon, who was horrible his rookie year, scored a lot of touchdowns last year at low yards per carry, but he's got tons of upside. What's going to happen to him? You got Todd Gurley, who was amazing, and then that team fell off a cliff, so what's going to happen to him? Leonard Fournette goes and says the NFL is easy, and he's really fast. He's got Tom Coughlin, but they have a quarterback who's probably worse than Mike Glennon, and they're going to have massive regression, and you've got you know, Cam Newton, who's lost his mind. So what's going to go on with Christian McCaffrey? And it's just like, you just go team by team, question mark, question mark, question exactly. mark. J.A.J. was awesome for about six weeks, but now he's got fucking Cutler running their team. Houston had Osweiler. Now I couldn't even name their quarterback. And now they got Lamar Miller, who put on a bunch of weight, and they want to throw the ball. You just go, holy cow. It's just questions everywhere. So I think that, yeah, the – and if the, our fantasy champions are going to be the, they'll call themselves, you know, um, grand wizards of, you know, of fortitude, but or of, you know, predictors, but you're just going to get super lucky in rounds two, three, or four. That's the thing what it feels like this year, doesn't it? You're going to, someone's going to hit on them though. That's what I think. There's going to be teams this year who are going to be fantasy teams who are going to be awful. Cause you could have, you could feel like you have a really great draft and DeMarco Murray gets hurt. And, uh, Jordy Nelson doesn't catch the ball very often because they've got 85 weapons and right Gronk misses four games and you think you got this great team so that's why I think there's going to be a well here's someone the other who goes thing. like I mean yeah. there's, so there's two things I'd say one is there's there's no running back you'd sit there apart from those top two we mentioned and say no if he has a bad game in the first two games are you comfort? He might be gone, and then they're bringing someone else in. I mean, it's almost worthwhile just going, you know, well, I'm going to pick teams, and I'm going to take, this is what I did last year, which didn't help, but I might even do it again, is just pick two running backs from a couple of different teams and say, one of them's going to have a good year, or hopefully. Yeah. Um, and knowing my luck, it'll be the third guy that no one's ever even heard of that will come in. And the other thing is, there's a lot of good wide receivers, but they've got terrible quarterbacks. So, yeah. 
That's right. You know, what's the That's point? Right. Sammy Watkins goes, yeah, you like his skill set, but, you know, really, Jared Goff's going to be throwing him the ball? I don't think so. And who's who's throwing the ball? DeAndre Hopkins, a superstar well, freak? Well, Tom Savage or um, the Watson, I think. <laughs> you made that name up. <laughs> Tom guy Savage. The T. Savage man. or... T. Savage. The, it's the rookie, isn't it? They I drafted think well, the kid. Well, yeah. again, there's a bit of a controversy. Deshaun Watson. They yeah, that's it. Start yeah. Deshaun Watson or not, but the... the what I've heard is they'll start Tom Savage. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a there's a lot of good skill set players, but not necessarily... How many good quarterbacks are there? So, right I, well, that's what I'm saying. So you take all that aside. You go, like, literally go the, the 24 teams with major question marks, and there's no surprise where there are going to be a lot of strategies had. Exactly. You know, with players drafting the Green Bay Packers, New Orleans Saints, and, you know, New England there's no secret that the skill well, players the are all going Green way is, up. Like, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is not a great fantasy quarterback. He's just not. Um, and then you've got, as you said, there's a lot of mouths to feed. So one day it might be Randall Cobb has a big game. Next day they're giving it to uh, Montgomery out of the backfield. Next game it, it, uh, Julian Nelson goes off. Next game is the tight end. Like you just never quite. Well, that, that's New England. That's New England in particular. The Packers are a little more stable, but you're right. But New England is fucked. They just because their coaching is so sophisticated and so confident. They just say, you know what, we're going to throw to Edelman, and then suddenly two games are going to throw to Chris Hogan, the number four guy, and underneath routes, and he goes crazy. Right? So you just kind of that's the that's a trick with your Patriots and your Packers. Well, the only L- guy even more so, the yeah. Patriots to be Gronk. And obviously, that's an injury risk yeah. as much as anything else. But I mean, I've seen games with Gronk where they just leave him in there to block all game, and they're going to the third time. Yeah, pure red zone targets. That's yeah. right. So that's right. you know, it's um, it's difficult. I, I remember when drafts used to be easy, and I'd have a clear plan. I'd, these are the players I want to get. You'd get them, and you'd move on. Uh, now it's just oh, I've done a few mock drafts and it's just you, you never know where it's going to go and you never feel confident looking back at your team saying well that's going to be a really good team for this year. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. And I mean the injuries now are just so much more too. Um, yeah. Well it certainly feels that way. I mean I haven't sort of seen any research to necessarily back that up but it certainly seems like there's a lot, lot of guys going down. You've got them horrendous Thursday night games. So if you've ever got guys going on a Thursday night I generally tend just not to play them because that's the worst that's the worst rule in all of pro sports playing nfl on three days rest that is just oh, it's inhumane it's terrible and something like the team who <laughs> the team who travels for thursday night in a game like literally loses 82 percent of the time or something is fucking ridiculous so if you travel on a thursday it's pretty much a loss it's just a it's just awful I've tried. Here. I've tried the game, the Thursday night games, though. So last year I kept picking up defenses to play on the Thursday. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. The defenses I'd pick up, the games would be thirty-seven, thirty-five. So next week I'd go, all right, true. I'm going to pick up so the tired. running back, and then it'd be twelve, ten, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I couldn't. Everything I touched just turned to shit last year. Yeah. And I still somehow finished seven and six, but it was a complete schedule uh, record, that one. One of the worst fancy terms I've ever had to put up with. Yeah. Um, or I think may- maybe what we can hope for is I think with the way the season is, it's going to be a – you might be really well served by losing your first two games and smashing the waiver wire weeks one and two. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Like there's um, – I've noticed that in seasons past where – I've tended to start strong for just whatever reason. And then the guys who, you know, sucked and had a bad draft, but, you know, 
first on the waiver wire, picking up, you know, picking up studs in week one and week two who suddenly are getting whatever 20 touches a game or something. Or the you know they become the next Allen Robinson you know sort of player. Well, that's the other question. I mean, who when, when a guy pops in that first two weeks, you got to sort of question: is it real or is it just uh, one out of the, out of the box? Um, and, and that's again some of the questions that you got to ask yourself. Yeah. In yeah. terms of affairs. So in terms of the real the real thing, I mean, are there any teams that you've sort of the, the, the jumping out at you at the moment? I, I'll be honest. I haven't um, I haven't spent a lot of time um, thinking about it. Um, look, I think the usual suspects, I don't, I haven't looked at the Vegas odds. I'd be shocked if it wasn't supposed to be Green Bay and New England again. I'd be shocked. And Atlanta probably is probably dropped a little bit, but not too much. Um, so I'd be shocked if it wasn't New England, Green Bay. Um, just as, yeah, you know, as we stand here. Um, people are high on Houston, Denver, but there's obviously quarterback questions there. Um, Kansas never City, high, yeah. I've heard yeah. of you again quarterback questions but um they're they always seem to be thereabouts i'll tell you a team i think is going to do well that people aren't doing about. i don't think they're going to necessarily win the super bowl but they're probably going to raise a few eyebrows is philadelphia um they were okay last year um and i just think i like their defense um they've brought in a couple of good skill guys uh on the offensive side of the ball and i, I think they're going to and i and i think that division is not going to be as strong as it traditionally is Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott suspended as well for Dallas. So I think uh, Philadelphia might turn a few heads this year. My my sleeper team is Tennessee. They got an amazing offensive line. They got an amazing running game. They fortified a defense. They've got some. They got Eric Decker, and that oh, he, he I think he got hurt though. That that freakishly athletic um, is it Corey Davis that that rookie wide receiver. Mariota looks like the real deal. So I kind of like, he's sort of like Tennessee is that they're going to not, they'll never have maybe not the high ceiling, but their floor is really high. So I feel like a 10 and six team who well, they're in a they're terrible just, division too, which helps in a terrible division. Well, not quite as terrible as the NF AFC East with the, what the jets, well, the, the jets could go. zero and 16. Um, that's, that's on the table. The bills did a bit of a sell off. So they're probably uh, maybe at best 500. Miami has Cutler, which is six and ten. So you like that? Um, there's some really awful teams, but I mean the New Tennessee... England defense might be worth picking up just from a fantasy point of view, not because they're a good defense, just because they're in such a horrendous division. That's six games they should score well. Well, it's going to be a race to um, who, whoever defense is going against the Jets. I mean, this if that's not an if that's a if that's more than two win team, I'll. I'll, I'll eat the can that my stone IPA comes in, honestly. That is the – oh, my God. They'll make you feel proud as a Bears fan. Just look at New York and what they're building out in J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Oh, my God. But I'd almost rather bottom out and just know. Like, the Bears are just so insipid <laughs> and so can't bottom terrible. out because you'll draft Geno Smith then. Or Jared Goff. Well, that's true. Goff they are. or Blake Bortles. That's, or that's the problem. I mean, that's what you know. What's the point of Bonnie Matt when you when you say poor in the draft? Anyway, I don't want to talk about the Bears. That's that's. Um, we won't know. I can't even trash talk the Bears. You know, there's just it's just sad. You don't want. I love beating the Bears. You don't want them to be embarrassing. Like you know, you you want. You want to, I like a game. You know. I said if they yeah. drafted the quarterback, I said I'm done. And not only did they draft the quarterback, they traded up to draft the quarterback. And now I've got to listen to all these stories as like he's the second coming 
because he uh, threw a few completions against third stringers. So, well, at, well for the at least they knew not to trade a third round pick and a fourth round pick to move up nine spots to draft a kicker that they cut <laughs> after one year like this. Uh, how he's on that? the Bears at the moment. He's on the yeah, Bears. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's exactly like Louis Aguayo. Probably go to fucking pro. He'll probably go to the Hall of Fame now. But honestly, I feel sorry for him. He had so much pressure on him once that happened. How is that fucking cocksucking? You don't want to uh, have as a kicker. Honestly, you trade mid. Oh, anyway. So how, the, how, the Packers going to win it this year? What's what's the level of confidence? Oh, it's the same as every year. It's Aaron Rodgers and so same as every year. They're yeah. going to go in nine and seven, and they'll, they'll have some weird, have some weird crap so happen. He loses some ever. stupid games they shouldn't. The they rescue it in the end. They win every game in December, and they've become Super Bowl favorites by Christmas time, and then have some ridiculous, you know, spleen smashing fucking heartbreak in the playoffs. Like pretty much my entire life. <laughs> so, at what stage does Aaron Rodgers tell everyone to relax? this year yeah after they lose their third in a row yeah that's it so they'll go they'll be four and seven and they go it's okay they'll go nine and seven sneak in and you know yeah no they're packers are the packers they're you know they'll probably they'll probably win 10 games um they look good um minnesota's always a threat bears no threat detroit's a solid detroit's really solid that could be a playoff team detroit's terrible they're terrible every year well, They're you, just you slightly don't... better than the Bears. The Bears make them look better than they are. Oh, no. I don't think so. No, I'm already... Oh, look, I'm getting in the way we're talking about this. <laughs> Where's stop. your data? Give me some data. Where's your data? Well, when were the Detroit oh, ever good? Honestly, the when Lions were made Detroit the playoffs, ever man. good? They made the playoffs last it's year, right? Making the playoffs and being good is a totally different thing. Like, the Chicago Bulls made the playoffs in the NBA. Were they good last year? Yeah, but 60% of the NBA teams make the playoffs. It's the reverse in the NFL, right? It's 12 out of 32 make it, right? I think what you've right. got in the NFL now particularly is you have five or six good teams and every other team, and then you've got a big clump of just me- mediocrity and then no. you've got the real bottom feeders. No, you've got your you've got your Hall of Famers, right? So you got you got Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. They're going to be every single year. You just look at Vegas. Forget emotion. You look at Vegas. You got Aaron Rodgers and that and that staff and right Tom Brady and Belichick. Their staffs have been together for decades, right? It, this is the those are your um, those are your benchmarks. They're going to be Vegas odds every year. And then you've what you have, right? Is what happens with two years ago with Carolina. Last year, Atlanta. You got these teams who got lots of talent, and they have a shitty year. And then they get themselves a last place schedule. Daz, yeah. get yourself a last place schedule. That's where you go from six and ten to twelve and four because you suddenly are playing, you know, the Bears and the fucking Forty Niners and whatever, you know, um, whatever the, the you know so the bottom feeders over here. Schedule is a huge thing, huge factor in the NFL. Right, NBA is the same schedule every single year. Yep. Baseball is the same schedule every single NFL schedule. It means everything. So, happened to the Ravens when they made the Super Bowl. It's just teams get uh, one of those the years they they're healthy. You get lucky with injuries, and you're on a, a year where you finish the previous season like six and ten. Those are the teams to look out for. So I go look at last year's standings. So you kind of go look at last year's teams who who finished 
third or fourth, like well, you're seven and nine Philadelphia teams. And, and Tampa Bay is probably another one yep. that fits that mold. That's why I think watch watch Denver. Denver finished. Remember they finished nine and seven, but that's yep. third place. Yep. So I go Denver for me. I'm tipping them. I'd also look at the same same with the Bengals. I think the Bengals got better. Um, they finished third. I think the Ravens are going to fall off the map. Steelers have questions. Um, the NFC East is still too close to call, but I like your call with the Eagles. They finished dead last. So they're going to get a last place schedule with Zeke gone on um, the Giants with their turn. Uh, so I think that that's a good pick. And then similarly, the Saints. The Saints finished seven and nine right behind the Falcons and the Buccaneers. So those are the teams I look out for. The teams who finished third or fourth place, but a Brown close to 500 who still have a great quarterback or a good quarterback. And they go, Carson Wentz is for real. Drew Brees is Drew Brees. Um, Denver's defense is still um, spectacular. Um, so that's the teams to look out for. So anyway, um, hard to tip it, right? Because injuries have such an enormous fact, uh, enorm- play an enormous role. Um, Atlanta was pe- perfectly healthy last year, right? Um, oh, so everything it's, went right for them until halfway through the third quarter. In the until they thought they started celebrating. Yeah, yeah. So they, they so had say if, so I think there'll be a bit yeah. of regression there for for Atlanta. Yeah, I think so too. Um so yeah, it's um uh, but who doesn't who doesn't love the NFL? I think the Packers and the NFC the NFC North, so my guys I think we had a pretty you got an easier schedule this year. We play the um Ravens, Steelers, Browns, and then I know we've got like Panthers and that sort of thing. So I think it's a pretty an easier schedule compared to some years. So, you know, you'd again, Vegas odds, you'd probably tip them, but the Patriots have to be far and away the favorite, don't they? Given where their, their division's at, they'd have to be. I think they are with Vegas. I wouldn't, I, I don't, they wouldn't get my money, but um, too short, too short. And I'd always like to look for a little yeah. bit of you. But, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I'm not sure. I look, uh, it's hard to say who thinks going to win it. Um, well, it's, it depends. I guess so you think, who do you think is actually going to win it? And I go, that's why my Vegas money is on the uh, the seven and nine teams who finish third or fourth. But yeah, so I think Saints, Eagles. Yeah, those are my kind of top two: Saints and Eagles. And you just don't bet against Drew Brees. Um, yeah, what do you think he's... of the um, What do you think of the Brandon Cooks? You know, like he's um, you know, that's a super speedster and then going to new England. That's probably one of the interesting, that's one of the interesting players talking fantasy again, kind of go, boy, that, you know, Patriots spread the ball around, but man, they paid a lot, a first round pick to get this. Well, kid. they're going downfield. I haven't seen Tom Brady throw downfield too much for the last couple of seasons. <laughs> a couple of seasons. Unless Tom Brady he, doesn't throw it on. need to take a bit more air, air out of the ball. Yeah, boy, he, he could, you know, um, if if Peyton Manning had 11 vertebrae dislodged, he's still throwing harder than Tom Brady throws. <laughs> it's just so fucking ridiculously accurate every goddamn time. Oh, he's just too smart. With, within the, millis- smart. the millisecond of perfection, yeah. right? So, but uh, yeah, um, but yeah, that's what I, that's an interesting. Sorry, just to segue back to fantasy, I go. There's these really interesting players. Like, where are they going to get drafted? Like, where's Zeke Elliott going to get drafted? Is someone going to draft him in the second round, or and then sort of basically say they're they're going to have a super top pick, not play for five or six weeks, 
or is he going to slip? Um, Brandon Cooks, God, he could go anywhere from, I don't know, second round to fifth round probably. Yeah, um, I won't be touching. I don't touch any New England players outside the Gronk, as I said earlier. There's just too much just predictability. Of, just out of spite. And yeah. out of spite. I'll never, ever own Tom Brady, ever. So that's it for me. You know what? I was, I was a dick, and I, I – was he suspended last year? Uh, was last year, right? Yeah, so I, yes, so I picked him times. up. He was my backup last year, and so I was prancing around in a different league. I was, I was a, I was a bit of a bully in my other league. <laughs> so he was my backup, and he fucking lit it up. <laughs> like I was, a, I was, a, I was kind of a smug asshole in that league, and like <laughs> shocking. And as a role, I don't play very well, Daz. You know. <laughs> Well, we'll see where we end up. Look, as a, if you ask me for a tip, I've got I really got no idea. Um, like gun to my head, I probably would end up saying the Patriots simply because I don't have another another answer. But um, if, if it was the Patriots or the field, I'd take the field. How about that? Yeah, I I think I I just want to you know I'm, I hate the Patriots not quite as much as the Seahawks, but I think if you know if you're I'm pulling for my own team, I'm kind of hoping for a. Look, I love, I kind of, I, I sort of respect the Steelers franchise, so I'd love to see a rematch Packers-Steelers. That's kind of always my nostalgia Super Bowl. Um, but uh, I'd love to, I'd love to nothing more than to dethrone dethrone Brady, give him a fourth Super Bowl loss. Yeah. Well, it should have happened a few years ago. It would have won me a lot of money. <laughs> Oh, my um, God. And I still haven't gotten that. They're so lucky. They're so lucky. They're so lucky. Yeah. But so, anyway. Anyway, well, anyway. we'll see where we go, mate. So we might, uh, if we get a chance, we'll talk oh, again. My, last, week and, my yeah. last question is, who wins more games, the Bears or the Jets? Oh, I think the Bears. Look, the Bears are a 4-12, and 5-11 team. And, and yeah. That's, but yeah. that's the worst place to be because they're not, they're not horrendously bad on either side of the ball, but they're just not good on either side of the ball. And so you either, you've really got to, to me, just choose and say, we're going to build in this area. And they just seem to be, oh, we'll get one guy that's a good cornerback, one guy that's good on the offensive line, one guy that's good on the defense, and, and the rest of it's just mediocrity. And that's how you sort of end up with this complete other crap. Um, that they've what was their draft like? Didn't they trade away oh, all their freaking picks? Didn't they? I know yes. it's Trubisky, but what? I know obviously I know it's Trubisky, but I'm generally and asking. They took a Division Two guy. So this is what oh, they that's do. right. They're so Division they three, three, the Dwarfs. That's right. And they sign a lot of guys to big guaranteed money for this year. I knew you were going to make me talk about this. Go and sign a bunch of guys to guaranteed money. So including Mike Lennon, they got a tight end. Uh, they got some some cornerbacks as well, right? So, and then they went out after signing a quarterback and a tight end to reasonably big money, so the fifteen million for the for the quarterback, and I think it was around ten for the tight end, something like that. Who'd they sign the tight end? Oh, Zach was it Demps? Miller? Demps not the um, tight end. Um, I'll bring it up. It, Miller, right? No, 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 no. They already had Zach Miller. Um, Deion Sims. So signed Dion Sims from uh, Miami. He's only 25, so still only a young guy. I've never um, heard of him. And they were talking him up, got some upside, etc. He's only, I think he's only like second year player, and paid him decent money. And then 
uh, they go and sign uh, with their second round pick, which is pretty much the only they had left after uh, trading up to get Trubisky. They get a Division Two tight end that we're sitting there That's watching right. this grainy footage that looked like it was not our nine a four. It looked like Gronk went into a little uh, preschool and was playing against uh, preschoolers. So they got this. Thing, he's a freak, though, isn't he? He's like this oh, he's kid from Division man. something, but he's but, a, he's like bigger than Gronk. He's basically. bigger than Gronk, and they said oh, it looks like Gronk. Well, of course, it looks like Gronk. He's playing Division Two schools. It's ridiculous. Oh, so and they, no, it was um, it was a disaster. I mean, an absolute disaster. Uh, I love it to go and to to trade up to get a, a quarterback that would have been there, and you could have actually probably traded down to get him. Actually, you could have. That's the best <sighs> part. What? Come on, you know. And you just love it. See, so yeah, in the NFL, so style matters to me, right? So I, I'd rather see the Bears go six and ten playing smash mouth football on the, and just concentrate on defense than going ten and six and playing the you know air it out style and we want to yeah and all this yeah stuff. Right. they should be building a tennessee tennessee titans and type yeah, but team you look at the, the history you look at the history of the nfl defense wins titles right how many run and gun teams that have gone out there and try and outscore the opposition have actually won super bowls very few well that's a great that's a we should you probably hit pause that would be a that would be a really fun talk about the changes happening in the NBA the NFL is happening even faster with all these rules changes you barely even have you know linemen barely get into three point stances anymore it's all about how do you have fast athletes almost you know talking about having NBA with you know, and ball that, that affects and, both sides yeah, of the ball, does. It does, so yeah. Everyone was sort of thinking that's going to make offences harder to stop, but that actually also makes defences harder to stop. So this is why you've got quarterbacks who I'm sure are good quarterbacks. Like, they, they look terrible at the NFL level, but you can't get to the NFL without having some sort of skill and some sort of ability, right? So you see yeah. some of these guys, the sort of Ryan Mallets of the world, that, that look like they're absolutely terrible when they're out mm-hmm. there. On, on the NFL field, but you think, well, how did they even get a contact contract? Yeah, so these guys must have some level of ability um, to get in the, an NFL contract in the first place. So I think and this is an interesting discussion, and we might, you know, as the NFL season keeps going, we might put on these little Easter eggs at the end and have a quick NFL discussion for those that might be interested, Daz. Um, but look, mate, we might leave it there for this week. Uh, we'll see how we go Sunday night for the draft. Um, I've sort of read between the lines. I think I know what your strategy is now. So um, that's what I wanted to get out of you after all that anyway. <laughs> but it all depends on where I draft, doesn't it? Yeah, so, um, yeah. We, you it definitely usually depends be... for you whether Monty's gone to bed or not, actually. Seriously does. Is it? It's a Sunday night, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, my God, I know that's going to be um, – like it was last year, I, I sort of – I. You were I, totally lucked, I totally lucked into Zeke in the first round or second round, wasn't it? That was an auto well, draft. Yeah, that was Zeke and, and Dez in the first two rounds. You didn't mind. Yeah, Zeke, it was all Cowboys. But I um, did you a favor by trading you out of the, the Dez situation. <laughs> in the end, it looked like a favor, but yeah. I think if we were to begin the night saying the last name um, in sports we're going to conclude our pod with tonight was Ryan Mallett. <laughs> Ryan Mallett is the winner for who had Ryan Mallett 
right. <laughs> Jay Hewitt from from uh, Lidcombe. Lidcombe. Ryan Mallet. Well, I'll tell you, Ryan, Ryan Mallet cost me my, the fantasy championship two years ago because oh. I picked up the. I had the Houston defense and the Pittsburgh defense, and Baltimore's uh, Joe Flacco got injured. Then they went to their backup. He got injured, and they announced just before the kickoff that Ryan Mallett was the starting quarterback playing against Pittsburgh. And so I dropped the Houston defense and played Pittsburgh. Ryan Mallett throws four fucking touchdown passes. <laughs> Pittsburgh defense gets zero. Houston's defense gets 20, and I lose by 10. So oh. he literally cost me a fantasy championship. So he has a special Brutal. place. There was a special place reserved in Hill. So you bet against um, J.J. Watt and... Um, well, I think they had a bad matchup from memory. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they didn't have a very yeah. favourable matchup, and they were a bit of hot and cold, that Houston, as, as oh, good as J.J. Watt was. Brutal. And you're thinking, well, Ryan Mallett, like, he'd already he'd been kicked off, I think it was Tennessee, because um, that was the year that he missed the, missed the plane and didn't even turn up to the match. Um, so he ends up at Baltimore as their third-string quarterback and throws four touchdown passes. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. That is a, I love when fantasy seasons end like that with the, the complete, in, uh, not an indecision, but the, a, a, a simple binary either-or decision that literally you can pinpoint your entire season to one one start. I well, love I won it. a season on Jay Cutler getting sucked. Uh, sucked, sucked, yeah, sucked is a very good word for Jay Cutler. Oh. <laughs> Jay yeah. Cutler getting sacked on a four, on a third down uh, and forcing the Bears into a field goal. So that was a... Oh, that's, that had to be bittersweet though, huh? That, well, they, the Bears got beaten by 50 on the day, so I wasn't too worried about it at the end of the... At the end I of won the, my 20, one of my 2015 championships by a guy who had... You know, he had one of those guys who had like six healthy running backs. And for the championship game, he dropped a guy and was taking a flyer on a wide receiver. And I had, I was the opposite. I had all these wide receivers and he dropped Frank Gore. I picked him up, started Frank Gore against him in the championship game. And Frank had one of his Frank Gore games, 22 carries, 61 yards and two touchdowns, right? He scored like 18 or 19 points, um, which was the difference. Got no other running backs to start that week. And uh, so that was the... I basically took the guy's um, artificial leg off and beat him in the head with it. So that was that was that was one of my most gratifying whatever to pick up his scrap heap on the waiver oh, wire. Oh, there's nothing better than pick up a guy off waivers and then hit in the championship. Oh god, yeah. that was beautiful. He had such a Frank Gore, you know, 21 carries and 11 yards or whatever it was. It was beautiful. So um, anyway, all right, we'll all start again on Sunday, mate, and uh, the NBA world will keep spinning as well. So we'll we'll talk again though. Uh, hopefully next week or in the next couple of weeks when we get a chance. Let's hope Kevin Love gets traded, and we could do another one. Yes. All right. Look forward to talking. Again all right, soon. buddy. Thanks, Dad. All the best. Bye. Bye.